Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have come to an end. The Giants have won the pennant. We're listening to the Thompson to Clark a Giants podcast, and on this show, Brad and I are going to chat about something very fun, maybe for the first time uh, that we've ever led this, or, or not not really led, but this is our, our mood is so jovial right now. When you have a six-game winning streak, like things are much different, because if you listen to our last podcast, we were a little dour. We were, we, we were a little frustrated. We were just wondering when this season was going to end, when they were... You know, what What were they, uh, 8 and 16 or something? And then when you win six in a row, you're kind of back in business. I, I, feel, I feel like a different, it's just like a different ball club. Well, and then, and then the rough thing is then, you know, when we finished that podcast, um, that night, the same damn thing happened again. Mm-hmm. That happened in the A's series, you mm-hmm. know, from, from that Friday and Saturday night against the A's, a, a blown save. And so we thought, geez. Here we go again. This is going to be a rough week, and then we're going to have to talk about it all over again. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 actual title of the last podcast was Trevor got got got, <laughs> and you know that was kind of the mentality. We were saying, you know, oh, what are we going to do? Just at least bring up Joey Bart. He can kind of save our. At least we'll have something to look forward to. And they did both. Like we got we got not only did we get a six game winning streak. But we got Joey Bart. We got to see somebody hit with power uh, from the right side, uh, and and you know he's a he's like a middle linebacker sitting back there in, in the catcher spot, and it's it's pretty nuts because you know baseball this season in of itself is such a sprint because of how little games there are this year. But you know from one week to the next, it feels like Doctor and Jekyll and Mister Hyde a little bit to me. Oh yeah, it's. It's pretty insane the last two weeks. And then, you know, that's always the frustrating part when you're a fan of a team. You go, man, we won six games in a row. But then you got to look at the week before and say, well, we made up for for how much of a hole this team put themselves in. And so you go, can you imagine had they held on to those that that those three blown saves? Right. And this is a totally different team. And you can go back to the Dodger series before that all before the A series and say, well, and then there was another other game that got away from them as well. So this could be a team that's that I mean they're already a you know technically a playoff team right now because they're letting I think every single team in major league baseball <laughs> into the playoffs. No, it's eight teams per league. Yeah. But still they're they're right in there in that seven spot right now. So that that's kind of fun, but you know, again, this coming week, this is kind of a huge week for them right now. Well, We'll talk about this in a little bit, but they have uh, probably the single best team in baseball going right now. They got to <laughs> yeah. face the Dodgers, who are twenty-two and eight, uh, best record in all of baseball. The A's and the Twins and the uh, the Rays, and then the Cubs would be fairly close. And then the Padres, man, the Padres are eighteen and twelve with uh, Tatis sitting. 3-0 grand slams and people mm. getting up in arms. Well, I so, saw I saw an MLB.com article today that called the Dodgers. Um, th- this is the best Dodgers team in the history of their franchise. 
I thought, wow, that's uh, that's a stretch. I mean, we're talking it's 2020. What schedule are you playing this year? Yeah, and, yeah. And whatnot. So I mean, that was a bit of a stretch. I think that was somebody looking to maybe rile up some Giants fans because it worked. I got pissed. <laughs> so the thing, the thing that I always look at when it comes to like how good is a team really, though. When it comes to the playoffs, you can throw all that stuff out the window. Sure. Is run differential. Yeah. Now, there were seasons that the Giants weren't too hot in the run differential category historically and still were able to win the World Series. But the Dodgers, they are a plus 79 in run differential. And the next highest team are the Twins at plus 41. So they are almost two times higher than the best than the second best in run differential. If you're wondering where the Giants are, they're at minus 15, though they're they're doing a lot better because uh, we'll talk about this in a second. But in their little six game run, you know, they made up about 30 runs in that run differential. So, you know, the I think the Dodgers are historically just because of the way this season is that their their statistics and their everything will sort of map out. Um, kind of to to be a really great team, but you know they've been a gr- they've won the division how many years in a row, you know, and so historically that has not been their problem has not been the regular season it's been the playoffs. So um, okay, so first off, you know a little bit of a long intro, but I do want to know what you're drinking. Oh, all right. Well, this is a weird one. <clears throat> so over the weekend, I had a couple of, of bottles of bourbon that just kind of were getting towards the end. So I thought, well, I better kill those off because, you know. Denise won't let me get more bourbon if the bourbon cupboard is full, right? Because where do you put it? And and I get that. I, I understand that. That makes sense. <laughs> it's a space issue. Mm-hmm. So I killed a couple of bottles. So now I'm reaching for uh, something she picked up for me at Trader Joe's. It's the And she got me two different bottles of some Trader Joe bourbon. So maybe I'll have the next one uh, next time. But this is a Trader Joe's brand and you know, they get branded, they get, they get other uh, distilleries to do things for them, but it's called just simple Kentucky best straight bourbon whiskey. It's aged four years. Uh, it's 40%. So it's an 80 proof. It's, if you've ever had Maker's Mark or Maker's 46, mm-hmm. um, it's a weeded bourbon. So it's got that really, and I enjoy it. I've seen some reviews of this online and people just take a sip and spit it out. But I don't, you know, I don't discriminate against any bourbons, really. And, and so it's a weeded bourbon. It's a little softer. Uh, it's got a little bit of a kind of a, a brighter note to it. Um, kind of hits you right at the beginning, pretty smooth at the end. So I don't know. I'm enjoying it with two ice cubes. So pretty good. What do you got? All right. So uh, I've mentioned this Flaviar subscription service and you get charged uh, every, you get charged, um, I believe it's quarterly. And so every quarter you get a small bottle of something that you choose and you get a, a, what they call like, I think it's called a taster. You get like three individual shots of different types of scotch or different types of bourbon or different types of gin, whatever you want. And so I picked one. Um, and this specific shot is called the Black Bull. And it is a scotch product of Scotland. Um it's made by Kylo, K-Y-L-O-E. Kylo Ren? No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he distilled. Um, 
And so, uh, so yeah, this is a little mysterious. And, and now the thing is, is what what you do is because you you know get these sort of mystery mystery shots. Is if you like it, then you go on the website and you go, hey, I want more of that. Yeah. And then you then you order it. So that that's kind of the trick. But I did order one on uh, that I should have for next week. You talked about you talked about drinking something next week. One that's a little ginger influenced that, that I wanted to try out. So we'll see next week. Who might might have some of that. Now this is a scotch. The one I'm drinking now is a scotch. I think the one oh. I think the ginger thing is a is a bourbon. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just looking up this this scotch that you've got here, and uh, it looks tasty. Yeah, no, it's really good. Huh. Really good. Um, okay, so let's talk about a, a a new giveaway before we hit all of our stuff here. Um, so I don't know if you, uh, I know you have seen this this member on Twitter. Yes. But in the giant's Twitter sphere, there is a woman named Sonia with the at handle of A Special Sonia. So A S P E C I A L Sonia. And she's been posting her, um, her masks that she's been making. They're giant's influence masks. Uh, and, you know, they have uh, Gamer Babe on them. They have. Uh, beat LA on them. And I really liked, uh, you know, kind of what she's doing. I love people who are, you know, get into this stuff and, you know, they create content or they make stuff and, you know, they sell it on, a, you know, Etsy and all that stuff. And so uh, I reached out to her and I said, hey, you know, can I buy two of your masks so that we can give them away on the podcast? And she's like, yep. And so she's a really, really cool lady. And so we were, we were talking about it. Um, and so I've ordered two masks. So we're going to do two giveaways. You can get a Beat LA mask uh, to wear around your neighborhood when, you, when you're out and about. To wear it tonight, wear it uh, as we record this tonight. So you can, um, the way to get one of these masks is if you, uh, if you write a review, a five-star review for us, for our podcast in the iTunes store, I will tweet all of this out once uh, once the podcast is up. You write a five-star five review in the iTunes store, retweet the post that I will uh, put up in the feed tonight for this show. So you just have to retweet that show, and it'll also have the giveaway information in there. And the pictures of these super awesome masks. Right. And then just follow us on Twitter. And so we'll get how many, you know, how many folks are, are interested and we'll, I'll do like a random, a, a random uh, generator of, of a number and we'll, and we'll, we'll pick one out. And then I think it's possible that I will do a second show this week. I'm, I'm trying to get my friend Carmen Q on and she's the host of uh, one of the co-hosts of Triple's Alley on CSN Bay, uh, the the NBC Bay Area uh, after the Giants, but I don't think they've been doing it this year because of the situation. Right, and she's also on KBR with Marty Lurie on the weekend. So um, I want to I want to talk to her, get her on here, and if I can do that this week, we'll do another giveaway on that show with her, and then uh, announce the winner of this one. But if 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 we can't figure it out, we'll switch it up and we'll just do it next week. So. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I will, we'll, we'll have all of the uh, all of the rules and stuff in in the tweet that goes out after the show is up. So uh, the other thing is, is I've been looking into other things that that we could 
do for giveaways. And so that, that'll be coming soon. We'll, we'll be doing more of that kind of stuff on this podcast. Uh, I like doing that kind of stuff. I like interacting with the audience. I like, you know, finding new Twitter followers and re- finding people that I like to follow on Twitter. You just, you know, the Giants fan base is just like one gigantic, really cool community. So, oh yeah. And if you can get free stuff with Giants, you know, Giants mm-hmm. branding on it, I mean, come on! I I eat that stuff up myself. Oh yeah! So. Oh yeah! Yeah, I mean, I I'm, you know, I I love what a lot of the the people do with t-shirts, and you know, this isn't like licensed MLB stuff, but I've gotten some pretty cool t-shirts in the past, and so all that stuff is really cool. That's why I like Sonja's mask. I was like, ah, I, I kind of want one, but I kind of want to like buy one for somebody else too. Just yeah, for sure. Cool. All right, so uh, let's let's talk about. Mr. Joey Bart, we we were begging for him to be brought up to the big team last week, and and our prayers were answered. You've got to see uh, a little bit. I don't know. He's played in uh, what three or four games so far. Um, what have you thought? What what do you see in him? And obviously, the the comparison is going to be to Posey because it wasn't that long ago. You know when I can remember exactly where I was ten years ago when they called Posey up for good. It was uh, right around my birthday because I was in Vegas and I got the little notification on my phone that he was coming up for good. And so like that is really in my memory. And so I can I can remember what it was like when Buster Posey came up with the big team, too. Well, and that was the cool thing about before uh, Posey came up, you know, being in Reno, I got to go to an Aces game and watch the uh, then Fresno Grizzlies, uh, the the AAA affiliate at that time of the San Francisco Giants had been for a long time as well. But I got to see him uh, play a couple games there, got some cool pictures and everything. I should post those. I'll post those up later um, from back in 2010 when he Mm. started the season there. Um, So I got to see that firsthand, which was awesome. This is this had that same buzz. Um, this year, unfortunately, we didn't get that. We didn't get the fans to be able to see him, you know, in AAA or AA before he got called up. Um, but you know what? Watching the guy, he's got one of those swings. And I think I told you, too, um, I texted you during the, the Angel series that just watching Trout and, I'm, you know, I'm not making the comparison between Trout and Bart. Um, Bart doesn't have all the tools that a, that a player like Trout has, but he's got that violent very quick, swift swing that is nasty. I mean, it was like that Bonds type of swing. Mm -hmm. It's just when that pitch comes in and that bat comes around, it's so fluid and so quick that he's, he's mashing the ball and hitting the ball extremely hard. And that's what I'm seeing so far. Um, you know, he's, uh, a little kind of green, you know, as you can see some of his at bats swinging at pitches that are, you know, I don't know, two, three inches off the plate sliders that are dipping out. But again, he's facing major league sliders versus single A sliders, which he saw the last few years. So the thing I like about him is the his teammates seem to think that he was ready coming out of camp and they were kind of like, mm, if we're putting out the best team here, he probably should be a part of this. So you know, very, very much about the rules and, and, you know, when his contract actually starts and all that stuff, I'm sure that that's got to be it 100%. Yeah. But when the teammates, you know, these guys, even, even the players who he's replacing, right? Like, uh, you, you're, you're one of your favorite players, Trump. He was like, you know what? I knew, I knew Bart was coming up <laughs> and guess what? Like my entire job 
is to help this team win ball games. And guess what? Joey Bart's going to help us win ball games, and I'll be here to play when needed and, and help this team win ball games. So everybody knows, and it's it's uh, when you have that kind of um, connection, and these these guys really believe in you, and you haven't even really stepped on the field before on a big league field. Like that says a lot. Like they they know that he's the goods, and I think that that means a lot. The other thing I really like about him is. I said this earlier, but he's like he's like a linebacker yeah. back in you know behind the plate. He's a really big dude. I, I imagine they may want him to maybe get a little bit lighter just for those knees. You know, he's up he's upwards of two hundred and thirty five pounds as a catcher, and uh, I, I do wonder. You know, he's he's a young guy, so he he can he can it probably wouldn't even affect him for a few years, but you know, just looking at him from that perspective of two thirty five is a pretty big dude, (laughs) you know, and you got to sit there in a squat for, you know, for nine innings that that could be a little tough, but I like that about him solid, you know, just looks like a big guy, solid guy. And he automatically defensively, he's going to make that team better because he's built for this position. He's, he's just, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just so excited because, you know, again, it wasn't that long ago that we got to see Buster come up, well, you and say he, it, wasn't it feels that, the same thing. You say it wasn't that long ago. That was 10 years ago. But that's not that long ago for us. <laughs> no. It seems like it flew by, though, right? <laughs> Three world championships, uh, you know, a mess of a playoff series in 2016, and then painful years for the last two or three years. So a lot has happened, but I, I'm totally with you. I feel like Posey is still our guy. That's going to be that's just going to be so weird coming back next year with mm-hmm. Posey coming back. And we'll get into that a little bit later, too, as we talk about, you know, is Posey a Hall of Famer? Yeah, at, we're going to say we're going to save I that. Know. Yeah. I know you did some research and I looked at a couple things. So uh, yeah. Yeah, let me we'll, throw go, go ahead. for it. Oh, I just going to say, let me throw out. Um, <clears throat> I like StatCast. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a total rabbit hole. I mean, you could go down. You can go to MLB.com. Go find the StatCast. It's actually uh, baseballsavant.mlb.com. And you can go in there and just have fun with StatCast stats if you like that stuff. If you're a baseball fan in general, you just you love stats and numbers. And with the advent of StatCast, there's all kinds of fun stuff. Joey Bart is already number two on the team on average exit velocity on his hits. I mean, that, yeah. that's... And he's yeah. only had eight what do they call them? BBE batted ball events. That's mm-hmm. basically anything hit into play. He's 109 or I'm sorry. 93.8 is his average exit velocity. 93.8 miles per hour. Uh, guess who number one is guy, guy I've been just like clamoring to get back into the swing of things. Jalen Davis. Is oh, wow. <laughs> but he's only had six. Yeah. batted ball events. But number three and and really with fifty six batted ball events is is should be number one on the team. Um it, but it's Alex Dickerson. I mean I we've seen that guy crushes the ball. But Joey Bart's already up there. So you see that 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 nice quick swift swing out of him and it's just awesome to watch. So what do you think was the thing or I mean the multiple things, but if you could put your finger on one or two things, what switch what what switch did they flip to go from losing five in a row and what was it six out of seven yeah. uh to winning six in a row and they didn't just win these games they won impressively i, I mentioned this earlier but they outscored 
the Angels and the D-backs in this six-game uh, run, 42-13. to 13. So Jeez. they pitched awesomely well, and they hit the crap out of the baseball. You don't really see this, you know, this... The last several years, you know, you can probably go back to the Bonds years when they were an offensive juggernaut, but this is not the way that this team has won necessarily over the years. And just, man, they just, they bang the, they bang the baseball around. Well, I, I think the one thing, and you know, <clears throat> you could laugh, you could not laugh, whatever, however you feel about it. But I think one thing that really happened is that after that Monday night game, the blown save against the Angels, I think Kapler kind of got out of his own way when it came to bullpen moves, when it came to starting pitcher leashes, when it came to deciding on a number of pitches for the starters. I think he kind of got out of his own way. And I think he also started, I I don't know, but maybe trusting his decisions a little bit more. Um, I can't, I don't have any hard stats to say he decided, you know what, when it comes to the, uh, the numbers part of the game, I'm going to go a little bit more with a feel. But we did see Berger in a couple more key situations. Big balls Berger. He went out there, <laughs> did his thing. We saw Rodgers in some better situations as well, uh, Tyler Rodgers. Uh, so I think I, I honestly felt like just watching the games, I felt like he kind of got out of his own way and just said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel this out a little bit more. Um, I mean, this team is scoring runs, and they have been scoring runs all year. They, they are... Now, if I told you this, I don't know, six years ago, we'd think this team was going to the World Series this year. But we have a San Francisco Giants team that is currently fifth in Major League Baseball in runs scored. That's kind of one of those things you step back and say, a San Francisco Giants team, fifth in the league in runs scored. Um, They played a couple more games than everybody else. I haven't looked at the average runs scored per game and where they sit in that. Um, But I think... You know, when when this team is jumping out to early leads, too, you can kind of trust your bullpen decisions a little bit more. Um, they still don't have a back end guy. You know, that's that's the one thing. But they haven't they haven't needed one this week. So that's always good. Well, I don't I don't think Gott has pitched in any of these games. Not he has not pitched at all since Monday night. Uh, so I, I took a look at uh, my, my buddy Brady is really good at uh, fan graphs. So I was like, hey, how, how, do, how do I pull all the stats just from the six-game winning streak? And he's like, oh, here. And he sent me all the links. I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> well, yeah, let me get his number. <laughs> I got to click through each box score and do adding on my own, <laughs> which I enjoy. I like it, but, you know. <laughs> so um, they in, in the winning streak, they did not have... A, uh, a starter outside of Trevor Cahill. And I think it's because Cahill's got a little bit of a um, a limit to, to him still. Yeah. He's only had, what, two starts this year. So so outside of Cahill, every starter in the, uh, in the win streak went at least five innings. Gossman didn't have a great start, but did strike out like 12 guys or something or whatever, yeah. whatever that was. <laughs> Eight guys or nine guys in five innings. And then Cueto had a had a really good start as well, uh, and then we had Tyler Anderson go the whole way, which was kind of amazing because that was awesome. Yeah, and it's not like he had overpowering stuff. He only had four strikeouts, but um, I think he only gave up. Uh, did he give up any runs, or was it a shutout? 
Uh, it was a complete game, one run. That's right, because yeah, yeah. Brandon Crawford made an error. Right, right. And then, you know, Logan Webb, who, you know, if you look at if you looked at that game, you were like, man, Logan Webb to Bart. I could get used to seeing that yeah. for a few years. So the starting pitching is really, um, you know, like m- maybe part of what you said with, with uh, Kapler. He, he's letting these guys go a little bit. I know it's a thing with them. You know, I, I think um, I want to say his first year in Philadelphia, none of his starting pitchers had a had a complete game. And the second year in Philly, there was there was a few more. So there's something with his trust. And, you know, I'm sure there's something analytical where it's like, nope, when the pitcher gets to this, you have to take him out. But there's a human and emotional and psychological side to baseball that is not all in the analytics. And, you know, we got a tr- guy like Tyler Anderson, who's like, look, I would love for you to trust in me. Like there's this trust thing and he could have pulled him, right? He could have been like, nope, you know, you've hit your limit, but nope, he trusted him. And I'm sure the next time out for, from Anderson's perspective, his mentality is going to be like, you know what, if I got to get pulled for this reason, Gabe has a little bit of slack with me because he did let me go that last time. Yeah. And you know me, I'm a big time old school baseball guy, but I'm starting to open up to it. You know what? I, I like pimped home runs, man. I, at first <laughs> I hated it, but now I like it. I love it. I want to see the pinch, the pitchers pimp their strikeouts too, man. Why not? Right. We saw Trevor Bauer do that the other day. He got a strikeout. He walked off the mound. He shimmied his shoulders a little bit, did his thing, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of old school, but I'm starting to open up a little bit more, but you still have to have that feel. I mean, if you're a manager in, in, in Major League Baseball in 2020, you still there still has to be a little bit of feel to things. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes along with just these are emotional guys. I mean, it kind of goes to that. You're, you're bringing emotion into the game. So how can you bring together, you know, 25, 26 emotional guys in a dugout and say, we're just going to go with analytics. I'm going to tell you when you're in based on analytics. I'm going to tell you when you're in pitching based on analytics. I don't think you can do that. I think you've got to, you've got to have a good mix and, and maybe Kapler's finally starting to learn that a little bit. I don't know if it comes from the top, you know, if, if, if Zaidi and his guys say, this is how we're going to do things, but you don't appoint a manager into a dugout and say, listen to us. You also let him decide. So, so who knows? I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll know a little bit more this week as we go into the Dodgers series and then again, uh, you know, go to Arizona. So we'll kind of get a little bit more of a feel. Just quickly from, from the hitting side, uh, Yastrzemski, he's been on fire this year. If there was an all-star game, he'd be uh, a Giants represent representative, no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, there's talk like if I don't know how you can have an MVP of, of a 60 game season, <laughs> Who knows? but but he leads uh, all of baseball in uh, in OPS. So, you know, that that is that is definitely something that that uh, we will look at on this podcast. You know, maybe we'll have to we'll have to lead the campaign, the Mikey Stremski. I like that MVP campaign. We'll have to hit all of the writers We'll we'll just start hammering them with tweets. I mean, you can look at I mean, you look at all stars. You got you know, there's a couple guys on this Giants team. I mean, Wilmer Flores, the great 
you know, lover of friends. He's got <laughs> seven home runs and he's hitting 306. And, you know, Yastrzemski's got seven home runs and hitting 309 and their OPSs. Uh, and, and Solano, all their OPSs are above 877. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. But, you know, we're only 30 games into the season. So, halfway. Halfway, so yeah, we do have all stars. There you go. <laughs> so, so in this, uh, yeah, there you go. In in this six game winning streak, Yastrzemski, obviously, he was he was very solid, hit two jacks, but the one who had the highest batting average throughout this six game series was none other than Brandon Belt. Yeah, Brandon Belt hit five thirty three for the uh, for the game. I know there was a game that he didn't start. I believe that was against a. Was it against the lefty? And Kapler was saying that it was like the hardest he ever uh, agonized over a lineup because you know Brandon Belt had just got like three or four hits the game before or something like that, and then he and then he took him out. And you know Belt's a, Belt's a professional. You know, early on in his career, Bochi bounced him around a lot, and he was up and he was down, and he was hitting eighth, and then he was hitting second, and then he was hitting sixth, like. So he gets it. He knows, and, and he's you know he's still going to be their best defender. He's still going to go on crazy runs, and then he's going to go over you know eighteen with seventeen strikeouts in you know in five games. So he'll figure he'll figure it out. He, I mean, I think he's okay with that. But I did I did like to see him kind of catch fire a little bit. So that was fun to see. Well, and yeah, you're, fact, go ahead. Oh, the fact that he agonized over it right there tells you that you know he's going off a of feel a little bit too. So. I, as a Giants fan, an old school baseball fan, I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that he didn't say Belt wasn't in there because lefty on lefty. You know, at least there was a feel like I agonized over it. I wanted him in there, but I wasn't 100% sure what to do there. But, you know, it all panned out. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, great series. It was really a great, great end to the to the uh, run with the Angels. They had a two and two, and then they came back and they swept the D-backs. And you know, looking ahead to the to this to this week, Dodgers for three, and then they have the D-backs for three again. And I we we I don't want to make any predictions in any way because it would be silly. But I, what I'm looking for in this Dodgers series is I want to see. If the way that they play as a team is less scared, I will say, than some of the games that I've seen them play the Dodgers this year, like just the way that they attack certain guys, like it's almost like you're just waiting for the explosion from the Dodgers to happen. And so I get it, but I want to see if they're more aggressive and if they go after these guys and they're like, you know what, like, you know, we're just going to go at them with everything we got because they're the best team in baseball. And what do we got to lose? I, I want to see how they play this three gamer. Not that they have to use all their arms and, you know, attack it lefty, lefty, righty, righty, and all these crazy moves. But I do want to see them like sort of look at this as uh, what, what if we played this like it was like the most important series of the season? You know, because theoretically, if they do, if they could win two out of three or three out of three, they're like you said, they're right in that playoff position. And the Dodgers are ahead of them, and so they would pull them back a little bit. This is a really important series, and I want to see them play it like that. Well, and I and I guarantee you they will because they know that that's absolutely what this is. I mean, you you hit it on the head. This this is the most important series of the season because you know the beginning of the season, 
and the few times that they have played the Dodgers so far, they hang with them. Um, they're hanging with, quote-unquote, the best team in baseball. And I say, quote-unquote, because they're the, the Dodgers, and I can't say <laughs> that they're the best team in baseball. It hurts me too much. So this is that series to say, do we belong? I mean, you know, if, if we're going to play against the best team in our division— and then what? It, so it's the top team from every division automatically goes to the playoffs, and the second place team from every division automatically goes to the playoffs. And and the Giants are looking up right now at the Padres and the Dodgers. Four back, yeah, four back of the Padres. Four back of the Padres. So they're looking up at these two teams, saying, "Hey, you know what? We're young enough of a team to not know that we're supposed to be losing right now. <laughs> we're playing lights out baseball. So we're are uh, you know you're coming to our house." And we're going to take care of business. So I think there's a little bit of swagger going on with the Giants right now. And, and I would love to see, I mean, God, if they swept the Dodgers, they would kind of turn that National League West upside down at this point. Mm-hmm. There, there would be a new outlook for the last stretch of, you know, at that point, 27 games left in the season. Yeah, so four back of the Padres. They are almost tied with with the Rockies. Rockies have one less loss but how do you do it in the NL Central? Like, are the Cardinals going to make up all these games? Like, they're they're like ten games behind uh, the Cubs just in overall games played. Well, and that's the frustrating thing. They've played eighteen games, and the Giants have played thirty games. Yeah, but because of win percentage, with only playing eighteen games, the Cardinals have that edge, and they're in second place in the, in the National League Central. So I don't know. I mean, I I haven't looked at their schedule. I don't know if Major League Baseball has actually said this is what we're going to do. And I'm going to hop in in their schedule just real fast as we're talking. But I'm not sure if they are just going to bunch up on double headers. But I know that they have come out and said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We are going to go with um, we're going to go with uh, win percentage. Mm -hmm. So if you don't get all those 60 games in, we're going. I mean, how do you make a, a, a weird season weirder well that you just you just do it that way yeah you just say well let's go win percentage you're not gonna play all your games so they've got a they've got a double header coming up thursday and then if i just quickly look at september they've got one two three four five six double headers scheduled mm, my God. seven double headers I, I mean what so, do you do? are you just how, you can't even have enough starting pitchers for yeah for those games so it's gonna be like some weird like bullpen action on, on a couple of those games. Well, and they're only seven gamers. So at that point late in the season, can you get a starter to go seven? Yeah. I mean, you I could, guess you could, but you know, you still, how many starters do you have? That this is like, this is like yeah. uh, all those city leagues that we played in after high school where uh, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. You just show up on a Sunday and you go, Hey, can you pitch today? <laughs> no, I, I mean, uh, if you need me, I guess I could. Well, how about that guy in the stands? Yeah. Let's throw a shirt on him and see if he could throw five. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. If you like what you hear from the Thompson to Clark podcast and are a fan of mixed martial arts, boxing, or pro wrestling, give the Fight Game podcast a shot. Hosted by myself, Double G, and my co-host, John LaRocca. We talk about all the ongoings in all three of those sports. We go multiple times a week, too. So just look for the Fight Game podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, so while it was all good from from that side of things, nothing but positive news from the perspective of wins and losses, there was something 
a little sad, which was uh, they let Hunter Pence go. They designated him for assignment. And the I think some of the idea with bringing him back was he's just a beloved fan favorite. And, you know, maybe he means something a little extra when there are live fans there. But with no fans, you know, that part of him, uh, that part of his game wasn't available to the Giants. And so, you know, I, I don't even think he hit 100 for, for the year. I think he was like stuck at like 096 or something. And yeah, it, I, it, that that was brutal to see. That's one of those things you just hate to see. But I, it's a business decision. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, you've seen this outfield. We've all seen this outfield. It's stacked right now. Um, you know, I don't know. Does can Chris Shaw play outfield at all? I believe I think so. he is. I think I, I believe he, I think he is in in the mix there. I, yeah, I, I they, think he also plays some first base. But yeah, I think they they have him playing some outfield. Yeah, today they just brought him back to the um, Sacramento team, the Sacramento facility, should I say. Uh, so he's waiting in the wings also. You, I mean, you've got a log jam in the outfield right now of guys that are just mashing the ball. Um, but Hunter Pence will always be, I mean, he, he's going to be forever giant. You know, mm-hmm. He's, he's going to get his his plaque up on the wall out near McCovey Cove. That That's all going to happen. Um, Hall of Famer, probably not. Uh, you know, he he played a great outfield for so many years. I was one of those guys just clamoring for him in 2011. Oh, yeah. You know, to get traded to us. Instead, we got Beltran. Um, but I was dying to get Pence at that time. Um, so the next year when we got him, I was just ecstatic. I mean, I've always loved his style of play, mashing into uh, the fence in uh, Philadelphia. Um, you know, just all the just the way he played the game was just such a such a joy to watch. And when he came to the Giants, that spark he gave gave them in 12 and 14 was just, uh, you know, you, you just can't match that. I posted on Twitter under our feed, the Thompson to Clark feed that, you know, the giants employ lots and lots and lots of coaches. I don't know if he's going to try and still play. I would guess that he's going to keep his options open, but man, you know, I, I don't know if you can have it inspirational coach or you know a positive uh coach but he would be perfect for what he was doing this year while not playing which was keeping everybody's spirits up making sure people understood what the job was and he's he's really good at that and as a coach it works as a player it only works if you're playing well, like you can't, you know, you can't give inspirational speeches when you're hitting 096. I mean, you could, but they don't mean as much <laughs> right. as when you're an all-star outfielder or when you're getting big hits in, in playoff games. So I do wonder like what his future is. I would love to see him as some sort of, um, you know, someone, some of the giants bring back who can actually be in that dugout, be in that clubhouse because he has such a positive outlook and just, I, I would imagine He's just someone you like being around. Well, and the Giants have a, a pretty good history of bringing former players back as spring training coaches. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a job right there. I, I know he's got. I mean, that's you know an instant get for him. Um, 
couldn't be a hitting coach. You don't want to teach that swing to people, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but again, nowadays it's the theory of swing. It's the, you know, uh, the launch angle and then everything. That's not his thing, but, but like you said, an inspirational type of coach, somebody in spring training, a Will Clark type of guy to be around the team. Um, you know, speaking of that guy, we miss Will Clark this year because, they don't have all these guys coming to the ballpark right mm-hmm. now, just like they don't have the. Well, I mean, he's a, you, you see the Will Clark cutout. Yeah, you do. You well, we have the cutout, sure, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so Pence could easily come back as a spring training type of guy, um, inspirational coach during the season. Uh, but yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, God, who would not want to be around that guy? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you had wanted to talk about Buster Posey's Hall of Fame credentials and where he would sit as a possibility for the Hall of Fame. I think, you know, if you if you if we asked this same question three or four years ago, I think people would have thought he was a shoe in. But he's had a couple of seasons that have been a little harder on his credential uh, these last couple of years. And then he misses this entire season. Uh, he opted out to be with his family. Uh, but where does he sit? What do you think? What's the argument for the uh, Hall of Fame for Buster Posey? And and that's a tough one. And that's why I wanted to bring it up because it's fun to talk about. And like you said a couple of years ago, yeah, I mean, shoe in, absolute shoe in, uh, rookie of the year, uh, 2012 MVP, three World Series rings, leading the staff like he did. Um, but then when you start to kind of look at numbers and you look at his age and you start to wonder, um, looking at the list, okay, there, there's a <laughs> throw this weird uh, scoring system out there called JAWS. Okay? Mm-hmm. It was developed by Jay Jaffe and it was introduced on Baseball Prospectus. It contains a combination of career and seven-year peak peak war totals, mm-hmm. okay? And then it's a, it allows you to compare to the average of the Hall of Famers at that position. So right now, Buster Posey, when it comes to Jaws, uh, scores 39.2. That's number 16 overall of all time of any catcher who has ever played the game. It's already higher than guys like Jorge Posada, Jason Kendall, even Hall of Famer Roy Campanella, though I know his career was a little shorter than, uh, than people remember. But uh, yeah, Yadier Molina, it's, it's higher than those guys. Right. So he's really in a pretty good mix uh, of catchers. And that, that brings up a good point. I'm glad you brought up Yadi's name because a lot of people, that's the comparison. Whenever people talk about Posey, they compare him automatically to Yadi Molina. Because, of course, Cardinal fans, are Yadi Molina is a Hall of Famer. That, that's it in their mind. But he's another one of those French guys. It's like him and Posey right now. Posey still, I, I think if he has two, maybe three, uh, probably two more above average years, he's in. That, that'll push him in. Because right now, sitting at number 16 of Jaws, everybody above him, except for three guys, are in the Hall of Fame. Almost everybody below him is not in the Hall of Fame. So he's on that line. So if he can pump up that Jaws just a little bit and get into that Mickey Cochran, Ted Simmons, uh, Bill Dickey, Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Maurer is up there. Uh, I would imagine we'll see Joe Maurer in the Hall of Fame. Um, That's, again, another one of those tough sells. I, I think the things that hurt 
pose you right now are, are currently he's 95th on the list all time of catchers in games played. Um, I think that hurts him because he just doesn't have as uh, enough games for somebody to say, well, he's, you know, he's seasoned, he's there. Um, he, he's ready for the hall of fame. Um, his defensive war is 53rd on that list. Um, again, the top guys, top 10, 15 guys in that are in the hall of fame. Um, but things that help him offensive war 23rd on the list, uh, War seven, which is uh, average of his best seven war years. He's ninth on the mm-hmm. list. So when he peaked, when he was at his absolute peak, he was the ninth best catcher in the history of Major League Baseball. So you have to look at it that at some point and say, he wasn't a flash in the pan. We're talking about a seven-year span. Um, so I think that alone could get him in. But again, yeah, he's right on that cusp. You're saying you, you were mentioning the War Seven. The only two guys above him in in War Seven are Mauer, who probably going to make the Hall of Fame, yep. um, and Thurman Munson, whose career ended because of a, a plane crash, right. and so he's only got I think he only had 11 years there. But yeah, I mean he's in really good company, and I think like you said another two years and he uh i think he's in the mix i think he's got a halfway decent shot at making it the i think the one thing that will hurt him is i mean we believe we just said it you know joy bart is here to stay so how is buster going to you know buster will catch some games he's probably gonna be at first for a handful of games my 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 wish was that they would teach him how to play third base because I think, <laughs> I, I think, yeah. I think he's got great hands, right? I think so. I think he'd be awesome at third base. Yeah. I do. Does he have, does he have the Cobra like strike out of, you know, the hot corner that mm-hmm. a lot of the, the best third basemen have? I don't know. I mean, can he, can he pounce on the ball as quickly as some guys can? Not sure, but he can make that throw. And like you said, he's got the great hands. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing, that does that you hope would play a factor in this is uh, the three World Series rings and the MVP. Yeah, and and that and 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 the Rookie of the Year. I mean, so you got to you got to throw all of this hardware into it too, and say, well, let's look at the eras that he played in. Also, was he the best catcher of his era? Oh, probably. I mean, that's that that's a hard one because you've got to again you got to throw in Joe Maurer was there for a little bit during his seasons um you know Victor Martinez Yachty Russell Martin um all these guys was Posey the guy that you wanted you know as your number one catcher absolutely during that seven year best war span for him I don't I don't know who else you would pick over him and you know Maurer hasn't really caught even halftime since 2013. So I'm not exactly sure how that would even, you know, play into it. You know, he's mostly been a uh, first baseman, you know, he was mostly a first baseman DH for the end of his career. Um, Cause he hasn't, he, did he actually retire? He did. Yeah. He retired. I believe it was last year. Yeah. Yeah, I believe he played. Let me see if he actually played. For some reason, I thought he had gotten hurt, and he was just kind of like figuring it out. But I guess he did retire. Well, he he did have the concussion issues. Uh, if you remember that, he yeah 
you know, he had a couple of concussion issues, which a catcher can easily get. So his last year was uh, 2018. He played in 127 games, um, did hit, I mean, hit 282, which is pretty awesome um, for the end of your career. But yeah, I, he, I know he did walk away because he was starting to have a lot of issues with the with the head. So ends his career with uh, 2,123 hits. I do wonder, though, if you consider him as mostly a catcher, I think he's got to get in. But if you only consider him half a catcher and then half a DH, half a first baseman, the numbers aren't as great as as they are if you were just a catcher. So that'll be interesting for Maurer, too. I'm sure anybody with a Minnesota Twins podcast will is probably doing the same analysis as us right now. Oh, oh, I'm this sure. is why Maurer deserves to get in. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, because, I mean, that is a great argument. The guy oh, yeah. was a ball player. I mean, that's the thing. He was he was a great guy. And, and that's the other thing, too. The guys who aren't tied to cheating, the guys who aren't tied to, you know, any kind of PED issues or anything else, those guys are going to get elevated a little bit. Because if you say Maurer versus Roger Clemens, we've got one vote left. Let's go Maurer. I mean, you're going to get a lot of those old school baseball writer guys that are going to say, you know, the clean guys over the dirty guys. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. So, All right. So let's let's end this show by talking about our tournament to determine the greatest San Francisco Giants team of all time using the fantastic game out of the park baseball in this, uh, this week's uh, series. It was the three seed 2014 world series winning giants against the 1966 team uh, that didn't even make the playoffs, right? Uh, they did not. They won 93 games that year, uh, did not make the playoffs, but any of those 60s teams are going to be very, very difficult to beat because they've got Mays, they've got McCovey, they've got Marischal, they've got Gaylord Perry. Uh, up and down their lineup, I mean, their lineups were were beasts. I mean, trying to get through that lineup, you had Tito Fuentes that let off. I mean, th- these were tough teams. So... This was the series where I thought if there was going to be an upset from one of the World Series winning teams, it would be this one. And that is exactly what happened. The 1966 Giants beat the World Series winning 2014 Giants in five games. And I would say three of those games were pretty darn close. So the series was fairly close. There was one game, it was game two, where the uh, the 66 team kind of ran away from them a little bit. But not surprised, but I did expect it to go like six or seven games. I didn't, I didn't think they were going to beat them in five. Well, you, I mean, <clears throat> you do say close because on paper, these games were close. But as, as I'm doing these games and simming these games, I'm watching, you know, each at bat and I'm just, you know, hitting and, and going forward. I have, I have no say in the game what happens whatsoever. It's all simulated. Um, the 2014 team could not, as soon as they got behind, they could not get back into a game. Any of the games that they lost, the one game that they won, they won seven to five. They took a five nothing lead in the first inning and barely hung on to win that game seven mm-hmm. to five. That the offense, when you look at that lineup up and down, you you joke too, and I and I joke too. How did that team win the World <laughs> Series? I, I, 
I mean, but but you had you, know, yeah, you, you, you had Buster as you know maybe the lone really stud in that lineup though I I I don't know what his 2014 numbers are I don't think they I don't think he was uh, you know close to the 2012 season but you know Pablo and Brandon Belt and um, you know even even Crawford like those guys in a in a series in a seven gamer you know could definitely. Uh, do do damage, but just throughout the season, they weren't going to put up great numbers. I mean, it, and it took, you know, the Travis Ishikawa's of the world and the Mike, Mo- you know, Mike Morse and um, uh, Gregor Blanco, who had to play for Pagan because Pagan got right. hurt. So Juan, yeah. don't forget Juan Perez. Juan Perez. Juan Perez playing left field for a couple of games, and I, you know what? That's the one thing we do have uh, power over is is the lineups. And I decided, um, you know, after talking to you, that Juan Perez should not be in the lineup. Um, <clears throat> so we made it that Ishigawa uh, Ishikawa played against right-handers. Uh, Morris played against left-handers. Um, right-handers were abundant on the 1966 team, so we didn't see Morris for more than three at-bats. And he hit one Uh, jack. He hit one jack, and it was a pinch-hit home run uh, in the ninth inning of the first game, which made it from 3-0 to 3-1. Like I said, they just... That 2014 team could not come back for the life of them to get back into this game. The 1966 pitching was dominant. Um... No shock that Willie Mays won the series MVP. Uh, he hit 429 with a jack and eight RBIs. Um, the 66 team in, in five games only hit three home runs. The 2014 team hit two home runs. So there weren't <laughs> that, that's a lot about of, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's about right. Because actually, when you look at the history of the game, in 2014, the average rate of home runs hit was almost identical to that of 1966. Mm. That's how much the game had come down from the steroid era. Mm -hmm. Now, look at that, and it's almost double that in 2019, the rates of of home runs hit. So it shot up from there. So that 2014 team, when we say, how did that team win the World Series? Small ball. Small ball, and it was a pitching era. It was still the pitching era that that is now long gone, as you see in the games that we have today. So, and I think people will wonder, well, you know, how did how did Bumgarner do it? And he didn't he didn't do poorly. He he lost both of his starts, um, went eleven and a third inning for the two starts, thirteen strikeouts, only gave up ten hits, but uh, did have a three point nine seven ERA. And I guess the the thing that that sort of makes a whole lot of sense to me is when you look at uh, Hunter Strickland and his one innings pitched and his twenty seven ERA. I go, you know what? That that's probably well deserved. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Br- Bryce Harper is chuckling somewhere. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> All right, so what's the next matchup in your tournament here? All right, next matchup that we are going to see in this tournament is going to be the number four seed. We got a couple of 1960s teams going at it, so one of them is going to duck out. Again, like you and I talk about, the dark horse, these 60s teams 
were very, very strong. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we've got the number four seed, the 1962 World Series loser, going against the 1965 95-win team. Those are two juggernauts right there. I mean, these are very tough teams. Uh, so we're going to see them battle it out. Uh, and then they'll move, you know, one of those will move on and they'll get either the 2002 World Series loser or the 93 103 win team. Mm. So tough road for either of those 60s teams once they get out of that first round. All right. So we will be looking forward to that when we uh, do our next show together. Like I said, I may do a show with Carmen at some point during the week if it, if it works out. If not, the next time you will hear us, we'll, we'll be on the next one that we do together. Any closing statements from you? I've got to, I've got a couple fun ones just to throw out there real quick. Uh, we talked about Belt earlier. Mm-hmm. I want to throw this out there. He's fourth in Major League Baseball in average of distance hit for balls in play. Oh wow! So he's again. We all, you know it's been going on for years. He's snake bit at the stadium he plays in. That's just kind of how it is. He's robbed of home runs constantly at AT&T slash Oracle slash PacBell slash all those. Um, but he's fourth in Major League Baseball right now on average distance of balls in play. Um, I want to throw out another, again, go, go to baseballsavant.mlb.com and just get lost for like an hour. <laughs> um, here's another fun one. Uh, I, I want to see if you know who the, if you can guess who the... Um, Longest average home run trot of Giants players is this year. This year's team. This year's team. And then I'll and then we'll get 2019. Uh let's see. Average no home one, run trot. I, I, I don't really see time. anyone pimping home runs on this team. No, you he's got one home run. Oh. <laughs> it takes him a while to get around the bags. <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> Mr. Pablo. Oh, okay. He would have been my guess, but I the was panda, like... 26.2 seconds to get around the bags. That's uh, Was that because he was huffing and puffing or just because he was I, pimping it? Who knows? <laughs> huffing and, I'm going to go with huffing. He doesn't pimp home runs, man. <laughs> huffing and puffing. Number two is Mauricio Dubon. He liked to... He savored his one home run, 25.5 mm-hmm. seconds. And then Belt's got three home runs, and his average is 24.4. But you think with those giraffe legs... He get around a little bit quicker, but the size fifteen or sixteen feet of his. But 2019, this guy had two home runs and he led the team in average home run trot. Any idea? Um, okay, how many home runs did he hit? Two. Oh God, he liked to. He didn't like to be shown up, but he didn't mind showing you up. <sighs> Who was even on last year's team? <laughs> <laughs> He's not there anymore. Um, he's not with us anymore. Uh, no, you have to tell me. Mad bum. Oh God, that, he yeah, pimps that, his home that runs. That would have been easy. Yeah, that. Oh been yeah, one. he liked to show you that he hit a home run. Twenty five point five, and then second place. Great, great, the great Buster Posey with twenty five point one. Oh seconds. wow! It, just because it takes him. Yeah, he's got catcher's legs. Yeah, he, yeah, he does. So. There you go. I just wanted to end with those. Those are fun. Those are fun numbers. Go to that page, baseballsavant.mlb.com, and just have fun with it. All right. So uh, definitely, uh, if you want to join the giveaway, uh, you know, we we talked about it in the beginning of this show. I'll link it on Twitter so that you can retweet the post and you can uh, the way the way to show me that you have 
done a, a five-star review is just take a snapshot of it, send us a DM, um, and we will uh, we will count that as uh, as qualifying. So for Brad, I am Double G. We will see you next week.